You get something for free. You get that feeling you got, I got something for free. Uh, even if you didn't get it for free, you think you got it for free. Like, you, you, uh, you go to the store and you get, uh, there's a package or something that says 15% extra. Now, you don't know if there's actually 15% extra or not, but it says so on the label, so you feel good that you got something for nothing. Uh, remember we went to the, uh, a food fair. You ever, ever been to a food fair? Anybody know what a food fair is? I think it was a, a civic center that we, we had in our town. And just, it, it's like a fair, but it's just food, and you just kind of go and get the free samples. And it was just like, it's, you know, it's all a big marketing thing. And, uh, and, and you just walk around this huge civic center from one kiosk to the next kiosk to another one, and it's just free food. Uh, and uh, it's great. It was, got something for free. That was, that was the great thing. Uh, you go to, sometimes, you go to a pizza place and they have the free Parmesan cheese, so you're going to load up because it's free, right? I don't even like Parmesan cheese on my pizza, but it's free, so I'm going to do it, right? I, I stay away from the hot peppers uh, on the pizza. I was in uh, Kiev, and uh, we were in the airport. They had a new terminal, and uh, so so we flew in. They, they built a new terminal for some soccer tournament a couple years ago, and uh, and they had a TGI Fridays in in Kiev, Ukraine. Like, that's weird. And they had a big sign on it. It said, American-sized portions. I'm like, what does that say about us? American-sized portions, come on. Right? We like a lot of stuff. We like extra, uh, especially when it comes to food, right? So today is extra good. Um, you looked at the sign when it came in. It said, the final chapter. So you're going to get a little bit extra because we're actually going to read the final two chapters. Uh, but I wanted you, when we sat down, you thought, okay, we're finally to the last chapter for those who are visiting. Uh, we've been going through this whole uh, year, uh, starting out in, in the beginning of January. We read through the Bible, and we come up to, to Revelation, which was kind of a little bit challenging. Um, but we, we got through Revelation, and this is the last week. And so... Uh, so you came in, you thought, the last chapter, he's going to hit Revelation 22. So we're going to actually give you a little bit extra. Revelation chapter 21, and I'm not going to promise to understand or try to explain everything in here, uh, but, um, but we're going to get some good stuff out of it anyway. Revelation chapter 21, beginning. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Now, before we start to go any further... This is a symbolic book, all right? So, so, so there's all these weird things. Uh, we talked about this Wednesday night. Uh, so I just want to, this is written in secret code, all right? Um, John was in exile on the island of Patmos. And he's writing, and he's got to get this letter off of the island. And so, like any prison, they read your mail. So this is mail. We are reading John's mail. And so the, the guards were reading John's mail. So he's got to put this in secret code. So he uses this whole book is all stuff from Zechariah that the Romans didn't know about, or, or Isaiah, or Ezekiel, or Daniel. It's all stuff from the Old Testament. They had no idea what he was. They just thought he was a crazy old man. Right? And so, so, but it went to people who understood what these things meant. So, so we'll pick it back up here. He says, I, saw, I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven for, uh, from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
And there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain. And the former things have passed away. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Right, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It's done. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes will inherit all things. And I will be his God, he will be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and the liars will have their part in the lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now the one of the seven angels, here we go, we're going to get strange again. Uh, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls, we have to go back in the beginning uh, to, to, to figure out what he's talking about. But anyway, let's just go. He said, in the seven last plagues, who came to me, talked with me, he said, come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me a great city, the holy Jerusalem, coming out of the heavens of God and had the glory of God. And her light was like most precious stone, like a jasper stone, as clear as crystal. And she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and the names written of them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel, three on the east, north, south, and west. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and those were the names of the apostles of the Lamb. And he who walked me had a, a gold measuring stick to measure the city and its gates and its walls. And the city was laid out in a square and its length as wide as its breadth. And he measured the city. It was 12,000 furlongs. It was about 1,500 miles, by the way. Then it was the measure of, uh, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like glass. And the foundation of the wall of the city was adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, sapphire. We're going to skip past the stones, if you don't mind. And I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. And the Lamb is its light, and the nations who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and their honor into it. And its gates will not be shut at all in day. There is no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it, but there shall by no means enter anything that defiles it or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And he showed to me a pure river, water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and from the Lamb. And its middle street, in the middle of its street, and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which had twelve fruit, each yielding its fruit every month. Leaves on the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curses, but the throne of God, Lamb, shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp, no light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw it, I fell down to worship in front of the feet of the angel who showed me these things, and he said, Oh, don't do that. I am your fellow servant. I am one of your brethren of the prophets, and those who keep the words of this book. You worship God. 
And he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. I'm going to be quite honest with you. I'm not sure what that means. Anyway, behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and enter through the gates of the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and those who practice lies. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit of the bride says, come, and he who hears, say, come. Let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecies of this book, that if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in it. And if anyone takes away from it, of the words of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with you all. Amen. Now, there are a lot of views of Revelation. We're not going to get into them. Okay? Um, there's, there's all sorts. There's one uh, premillennialist, there's postmillennialist, there's amillennialist, there's all sorts of things. And they all mean different things. I heard one guy, he says, I'm a panmillennialist. So what is a panmillennialist? He's like, I, I just think it's all going to pan out in the end. That's, that's what I think. I'm not sure about all these things. There's, there's some really confusing things. And the more, the more you read in there, there's the, I'm, I'm less sure of most of it. You know, some stuff I, I think I, I think I'm right on. But boy, there's just, I'm not quite sure about that. That doesn't seem to make sense. I mean, this is a pretty difficult book. And that's why God put it at the end. I'm pretty sure of that. And there's certainly elements of this that are encouraging us concerning the end. Looking forward to the end. There's just, there's just so many things. No crying there, no pain there. There's, there's, there's all these wonderful things to think about how great it will be. How wonderful it will be. However, and, and I want to I give a precursor to what I'm about to say. Because there are... As a preacher, you run into all kinds of preachers. Just That's the circle we run in. And you run into preachers who think they know everything. And, and, and there's a certain kind of preacher, they like to know the things that nobody else knows. You know, like, like you, know, you don't know this, but I've got this special little secret, and I'm the only one who's figured this out. Right? And so so they, they have all sorts of secrets that you don't know, and nobody else has figured out that the first one in history that's ever figured this out. You've got, you really need to pay attention to that preacher. Now, I don't like those preachers. I don't want to be one of those preachers. What I'm going to tell you is not that this is not talking about the future, but God is so great at giving us a little extra. God is great in that he can predict something and yet he can use the same text to predict two different events. That's true. You go back in the Old Testament and he uses one uh, I think just just as a just as one example, he has a prophecy in the Old Testament that predicts both Solomon and Christ at the same time. It's amazing. He can use one text and be talking about different things. 
People say, well, let's talk about that. Well, no, it's talking about that. And it's like, you could possibly both be right. Because that's just how God is. God is good at giving us a little extra for our money. And so it gives us a little extra. See, because this is not just about heaven. I thought about titling my sermon, Here Comes the Bride, but I didn't want to make people coming in. Someone's getting married today. Um, but this, this is an important part of these chapters. And this is why I backed up to chapter 21. Because he talks about some things that really kind of have to be talking about before heaven. He says in chapter 21, he says, I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So now there's a couple of problems when we, we encounter that in, in the way my brain thinks. Because I've kind of got an order that I'm, I'm used to in reading the scriptures when we talk about the end. And I'm kind of used to the idea of us going into heaven, not coming out of heaven. Right? That's, that's the way I think about it. And so, so I know who the bride is. I know that because Paul wrote pretty clearly in Ephesians chapter 5 that the church is the bride of Christ. And yet he's got this picture of the bride coming out of heaven, not going into heaven. Like, this seems a little backwards to me. So let me investigate a little bit further. So I want to try to reconcile these differences a little bit. Because, yet yeah, on one hand, it's really clear from 21 and 22 that there's, there's some references to the end. Some references to heaven. There's references to my final destination. So how can the church metaphorically come out of heaven? Well, it can only be if he's not talking about something that's future, but if he's talking about something that happened. And we're also going to have to kind of maybe broaden our understanding of what the church is because we've been talking about the kingdom and the church and we think of it as the people right we've been, we've been told for forever that the church is the people and that's true the church is not a building we know that but the church is more than just a group of people the church is a concept the church is a structure that god envisioned and it has people in it but this church was a structure that God made and he gifted it to us. And we get to go in it, but it's a structure. It's a, it's a series of ideas and it's an identity all wrapped up in Christ. And we get to be a part of it. We get to have a membership in it and be a part of that bride. But it came from God. And God says, it's coming. You'll be ready for it. Just be ready, it's coming. And it came just a little bit after Jesus died. And God says, now it's with men. That happened. It's not something just in the future. Yes, there will be a time where the church and the bride is with Christ in heaven. But it's here now. And God gifted it after Christ returned. And so there's a number of references in these chapters that clearly point to that idea. Verse, chapter 21, verse 3, he says, The tabernacle of God is with men. That's now. I don't have to wait for that. 
Chapter 21, verse 24. <clears throat> he says, The nations of those who are saved will walk in its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory and honor to it. You, know, you get to walk in light now. You don't have to wait to walk in God's light. And the kings of earth bring their glory into it. I, I think that the transition really is in chapter 22 where he really starts looking forward to the final. That's what the last chapter is about. I want to talk about, really this morning, is what it means to be the bride. What does it mean to be the bride? It's important to look forward to heaven. That's why God gave us so many pictures of it. If he didn't want us thinking about it, he wouldn't have told us about it. I mean, that's one of the things he told his disciples. Listen, if it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you. I want you thinking about it. I want you thinking about a reward. But you can focus so much on the final reward that you can forget the process all the way there. I was at my in-laws' house, and uh, we had just come back from Ukraine, and uh, some guys came up the uh, the sidewalk, and they wanted to talk. They didn't know I was a preacher. <clears throat> and they wanted to talk about all bad things in life, what they wanted to talk about. Oh, what about the crime? And uh, what about you get sick? And uh, your car breaks down. There's all these bad things. And they just wanted to talk about how bad everything gets. And aren't you, can't you just wait? And this is their, this was their big, I mean, they build it up for all this. And this is where they were going with it. Can't you wait for a thousand year reign of Christ on earth? That's what they want to know. Are you, are you kidding me? You're going to talk about how bad it is? You're going to give me a thousand year recess? And then I've got to go back to that? No, thank you. I, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to be away from it forever. How's that? And if you want to sit here while on this thing is burning up, you go ahead. I am not going to be here. I'm going to be caught up to meet him in the air and thus I shall be with him always. That's where I'm going to be. I'm not interested in a little reprieve. Even a thousand year one. But all... I, I, it just It just hit me how much they wanted to focus on how bad stuff is. To get to their big selling point, they wanted to, to talk about how bad everything is. Oh, life is great. I know it doesn't seem like that sometimes. I have had the, the great opportunity four times in my life to walk out of a hospital with a baby. That's awesome. Like, this is mine. No one can take them away. The first time I was kind of waiting for someone to take them away. <laughs> but like, are they going to allow me to walk out with this? I mean, that is an incredible thing. There's so many incredible things in life. We don't have to sit there and just, I can't wait till life is okay. Till life is some great thing in the future. It's great now. Don't focus on... Uh, that's a part of being the bride. And I want to get more specific than just the, the everyday things that God blesses everybody with. Because, because it doesn't make a difference who you are. You get, the, you get the ability to walk out of the hospital with a baby. That doesn't make a difference if you're a Christian or not. But there are some great things about being the bride. 
of Christ. Scripture says, All good things come down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Here's what that means. Listen, the God that you are going to be with in heaven is the same God that we are connected to right now. God didn't just, God's not going to start giving us good things when we're in heaven. He's already started. As we mentioned, you don't have to wait to walk in Christ's light. You get to do that now. You don't have to wait. It's going to sound strange. But you don't have to wait to be done with tears. I know I'm not saying that, that we don't ever have sorrows, but I'm saying to look at how people without Christ reflect and, and, and react to sorrow. Look at the difference. And there's, there's no perspective. There's no long-term perspective. There's nothing. That's it. The other day I had I, I been working on my house, and, and I know this is little, small potatoes, but I have, I'm not new, I, I'm very new to cement work, and I had two piers. They're going to be a part of my deck. And, and uh, I was cheap, and I bought them from Menards. Sorry. And they tipped over. They just kind of got wet, and I lost two of them. Now, I wasn't happy, but there are people that that would have ruined their whole weekend. Perspective. That's really small potato. That could be repaired. It's just a house. Because it's so small in comparison to what we have as a connection to Christ. You don't have to wait for these blessings. Being the bride means really what we're going to have in full, we start getting a down payment on it. You start having a little bit of everything you're going to have in heaven. Think about anything you're going to have in heaven. You get a little bit of it now. Just a little taste. Just a little walk through the food fair. Here's a little sample. Here's a little sample. See what it's like. You want to get some more? See what it's like. There's going to be a lot of light there. Have a little bit now. There's going to be, there's going to be zero pain, but, but have a little bit less than you might normally have. Have a little perspective. Being the bride. Being the bride comes with a responsibility. Because we skip all the way to the end. Chapter 22. Verse 17. He says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. There's a responsibility. I'm a part of this thing. And the Spirit says, Come on down. But the Spirit is not the only one who says, come on down. It is the job of the bride of Christ to get people to come on down. The bride. It is understood that the bride wants more people. And so I've been a part of this thing and I've got all these great things that I get now. I want other people to have it. 
there is an expectation. I noticed when I was younger, um, there were a couple of years, and it just kind of goes in phases, where, um, where there would be, like, in our church, there would be, like, four weddings in a year. And you would go, like, like you know, a couple, two, three years with none, and then, boom, there would be another whole grouping of them. And I watched as each one progressed. Right? And the one, whoever was last, it was like, like this contest. Like, the next one got a little bit bigger, the next one got a little bit bigger. Pretty soon, there's like no one sitting down. Everybody's up on the stage. There's like 20 bridesmaids, and I was like, hey, I'll try to outdo the other one. You know, like, I'm glad it was only four. They're exciting. People want, I want, I want, a, I want a wedding that everybody will remember. We're excited about it, right? So we make all the plans. I'm going to have these decorations and do this and that, right? The bride says, come. I'm excited about being a part of this thing, of what I've had. Bring other people to it. What does the bride have? Well, we talked a little bit about it. Chapter 21, verse 7 says, He who overcomes will inherit all things. We have an inheritance. Chapter 22, verse 1. He showed me a pure river of water, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. We have a promise of something refreshing, not just in the future, but now. It is so refreshing to be with God's people. You live and, and work and, and all the things that we're around all week long. And to come in here and it's different on Sunday. And it's different on Wednesday when I'm, when I'm here. It is different. And it's refreshing now. I don't have to wait to be refreshed. Chapter 22, verse 2, though. I want to focus on this one just a little bit. He talks about, he says, uh, just continuing from verse 1, he says, in the middle of its street, by the way, this is kind of an interesting thought, a 1,500-mile cube with one street. I think this is symbolic. Anyway, in the middle of its street, and on either side of the river, was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each yielding its fruit in every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. That's what you have. When you walk out the door today, you have at your disposal the healing of nations. I don't have to wait. I mean, yeah, the, there's going to come a time where, where everything, I mean, it's great. There is, there is nothing left. Of, there, there's no like after effects. There's no side effects of the medication. I mean, there, there's nothing. There's no... No lasting effects. But right now, we have at our disposal the healing of the nations. What you have that people need, that's what the bride has. You have the first aid kit. So this is where I want to wind up. 
What a way to wrap up an eight-month trip through this book. To see what you have to look forward to. To refresh your memory. And, and to focus on how exciting that is going to be. To walk in those gates. And not to have to worry about any of those things. Big or small. That's great. That is beyond my imagination. But also to reflect on what I have right now. So I want to leave you with two challenges this morning. How much better will it be to enjoy it if you get to enjoy it with someone who's there because of you? How awesome would that be to be in heaven forever and see someone who is there because of you? Because you said, come. That sweet water will be ever so much sweeter. Second thing. Back up before that. He talks about being made new. And we will be made new. A body that we can't imagine, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 11. A body that you, you can't even imagine what it's going to be like, so don't try. Well, you can try, but you can't, really. But before you've been made new then, as I said, everything, we get a little sample here of being made new. Get that, just a little bit of sample. Have you been made new? Because you don't get, you don't get to get the big prize until you take the sample here. Until you've been made new here, you don't get to be made new there. You do not have to wait. Have you been made new? Have you been remade yet? If you have not been remade, the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Come.